Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast of Venture Church in South Mississippi. Find out more about us at VentureChurch.org. Hey, it's so good to be with you. I know that things are crazy in our world, but I'm so glad that we can stay connected. And I said last week, and I've said this for years, you know, the church is not the building the church is the people. And so you're getting that now. You understand that you are the church wherever you are. That's where the church goes. Uh, and the reality is that God takes those things that appear to be evil and harmful, and he uses those things for good, okay? So I want you to grab a hold of those uh, two main points and also understand who you are in Christ. I mean, this is a great time for you to grab a hold of the fact that you are chosen, that you're a royal priesthood, you're a people of God's own possession, and that he loves you and he's got a plan for you. You're going to do more than just survive. You're going to thrive. I want you to grab that because that is the truth. Now, last week I gave you three things, and I want to go back to that because I want you to hold on to them. And the first is you're, you and I are going to choose faith over fear. Okay, that's the decision we're going to make. We're not going to just look at life through the lens of CNN. Uh, We're going to look at life through the lens of faith. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. And we have evidence from God's goodness and his grace that he's going to work this out. Uh, You go to the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 11 and, and, and 31 times it says, by faith by faith, by faith. So it's an amazing book to remind you that, hey, we can choose faith, that we can have faith in God more than we have faith in Google, and that everything is going to turn out okay, all right? So every day when you start being, you start being anxious and you're afraid, you say, I'm going to choose faith. I'm going to go back to the scriptures. I'm going to go back to who I am. I'm not going to let my fears rule my life. Now, that is very important. Write that somewhere on a sticky note. Put that in different places, maybe put it on a note in your pocket so that when you're starting to feel fear, you begin to say, no, I'm going to choose to look through the lens of faith. It is so important. Okay. Secondly, uh, we said, hey, choose courage over comfort. And if there's ever been a time that you can do that, it is right now. Okay. Courage, it's real simple. It's doing what you should do even when you're afraid doing the right thing, even though you're afraid. It's not that you're not afraid. It's that, hey, I'm going to do the right things, even though I'm a little bit concerned. I'm not sure how this is going to work out. You know, I've never really done this before. And say, one of the things that I want you to do, and this is so important, is that especially every weekend, because routine is very important to your kids, especially. And every weekend, whether you came at the 8.30 or 10 or 11.30, or now you can do 2, 4, and 6, you put this worship service on a big screen TV, you set your family down, you, after the message, you know, you stand up and sing with our worship team, and they do an amazing job. Uh, you take some notes on the message, and then you talk to your family afterwards. You can even do KXP either before or after because you can download it, Okay. So I want you to do that every single week because you're going to choose to have courage, okay, in the midst of all that wanting to have comfort, sit back and watch, you know, Netflix and eat junk food because you're going to build into your kids things that need to be there. You're like, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, you can, you can figure it out. 
Here's the cool thing. Homeschool parents have been doing this forever. Matter of fact, a lot of them are wondering, why are you so frightened? Why are you so concerned? Why are you so nervous? Because, hey, this is possible. We do it all the time. You choose courage over comfort, and then you choose compassion over criticism. And this is a hard one for me because when I get a little bit anxious, I don't know about you, but uh, I get a little restless and I can get a little angry. It doesn't take a whole lot to get me there. So one way you can choose compassion is pushing pause on the jerk button in your life is to simply say, you know, I'm not going to be a jerk. This happened to me this week. I mean, I'm going through the same things you're going through. Had a conference planned this spring. I was so excited about it. It's going to learn a whole lot of things. Going to help our team. You know, it's going to help our church. And now I'm like, hey, I can't get any words from them. Like, how are you doing? You know, what's going on? You know, I need my money back. And then I, I, I kind of got some information to them. Like, well, we're praying about it. I'm like, hey, hey, while you're praying about it, send me my check. And, and that's not... <laughs> That's not showing compassion, okay? Uh, Compassion is pushing pause on the jerk button when it comes to like all of our officials, local officials, state officials, national officials. I mean, this is the one time Democrats, Republicans, independents, we ought to all come together because nobody's done this before. All of our healthcare professionals, man, it's amazing what they're trying to do. They're putting their lives on the line for us and trying to help us. Our school officials, they've been trying to figure this out. They don't want to put your kids in danger. It's not that they're trying to get out of work, man. They don't want your kids to be sick, okay? Law enforcement, you say, well, this is that. And this, uh, listen, this is a time where you need to be encouraging with regard to the people around you that are trying to serve you and love you. And you say, well, why is this so important? It's so important because we have kind of a mantra that we've embraced, and that is that nobody goes hungry, and nobody stays lonely, and nobody goes broke. And if we don't come together and if we don't choose those three things, then we're going to be in trouble and we're not going to be in trouble because I am finding about venture rights. I am finding about the people of God, whatever church you go to, when things get tough, hey, we get going. When the chips are down, we understand that our faith is in God. It is not in social media and all the fear-mongering that's going on. And we will figure it out, and we will come out of the dip, and we will be stronger. Now, now today I want to cover uh, a subject that I think is so important. We had this, this whole series planned way before the coronavirus, uh, way before we had any imagination that you know the zombie apocalypse fail was coming. And it's the words of Jesus, the prayers of Jesus from the cross. And they're powerful words, okay? And so we're going to launch into that because a lot of you have been asking a question that Jesus actually asked himself, okay? When he was on the cross, one of his prayers, because prayers is talking to God and listening to God, one of his prayers was, hey, why have you forsaken me? And a lot of you have been asking that. God, where are you? God, why did you let this happen? God, I feel like you've abandoned me. And it's so cool that of all the Sundays we could have planned to preach this message, on a Sunday or on a day, wherever you're watching this, when you needed it most, God is saying, hey, I get you. I mean, we're entering into, you know this, I mean, you've forgotten about this probably, but the, the Easter season, the Lenten season, and a lot of you were like, hey, for Lent this year, I'm going to give up sweet tea. <laughs> well, you're giving up a whole lot more than that, aren't you? 
Because here's the thing about the Easter season. It's about the passion of Jesus. And the passion of Jesus is not like passion that we see on TV. It's not like the fantasy sweet passion. It is the passion which means the suffering of Jesus. That Jesus gets you. Isaiah 53 says he was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. I mean, Jesus totally gets you. And as we roll into this and and you're trying to answer that question, you know, why have you forsaken me? What am I going to do now? Why have you abandoned us? And it's okay to ask that. Jesus asked that. It's okay to say that. It's okay to to ask out loud because that's prayer, saying, God, what are you doing? God, what do I need to know? God, where do I turn? God, how can I learn to do this? It's okay to ask that. that. There is nothing wrong with that, but... Here is where you turn for the answers, and it's not where you might think. I was, I was going through the, the different ways our world is looking for the answers to that question, and the first way is to kind of a socialism idea, like, like the answer to that is, hey, it's okay, we've got government, <laughs> and we're going to find that government alone can't do that, okay? Oh, that's okay, we've got capitalism, okay? So socialism to capitalism, we've got money, that this will work out. You know, and, and, and you're going like, well, wait a minute, they're, they're doing a lot of stimulus and, and it still doesn't seem to be working out. And, and, and then, then, you, then you've, got, you've got moralism. This is what we need. We need more religion and now you can't go to your church. And then you've got humanism. I, I got this. You don't got this. You say, well, what is the answer? Well, I'm going to give you the answer today and I'm going to unpack it for you. Because when Jesus is on the cross and he is saying, why God, why God have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's going to really be answering the question for every one of you because the answer is not in government. It is not in your money. It is not in religion. It is not inside of you. The answer is the cross. The answer is Jesus on the cross for you and for me. And I want to tell you what this means. So open your Bibles if you're at home or if you want to look, you can look at it on the screen. But in Matthew chapter 27, beginning with verse 45, I want to read this. And if you like having your own Bible at home, that's fine, or at work or wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, and, and you kind of like to read more before and after, you can do that. But I want to read you this passage of Jesus asking his father the question, my God, why have you forsaken me until you tell you the answer from the cross to all that's going on around us. So Matthew, 45, Matthew 27, verse 45, and he's on the cross, Jesus is, and he's talking to God. The letters are in red, and those are the prayers of Jesus, what he's saying from the cross. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over the land, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, it was, it was he was screaming this to the top of his lungs. And when some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. They're making fun of him. That's another sermon. But they're making fun of him. These are the religious people. And immediately one of them ran and got a sponge and filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a stick and offered Jesus to to drink. And the rest said, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. (laughs) And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open. And the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life and they came out of the tombs. And after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and they appeared to many people. 
And when the centurion and those who were with him, who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and they exclaimed, surely this is the Son of God. Now that is, you've heard this a lot during Easter and this is powerful, but let me tell you three things that this means for you and me during the coronavirus. And three answers to your question, God, why have you forsaken us? And it all goes back to the cross because on the cross, you need to understand Jesus was condemned so that you could be saved. Man, that, that, that is the gospel. That is the answer to every single problem we have on the cross. When you see Jesus, Jesus was condemned so that you would not be condemned. That on the cross, he became sin for us. It was the idea, like just one germ infects you, okay? Just one sin can keep you away from God. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to be condemned for you, so you'll never wonder if God has forsaken you, because no, he can't, because he's forsaken me, his son. And you say, well, how do you get all that? How do you know that? Because on the cross, when he was calling out to his father, he he wasn't crying out for his own self. He he didn't say, oh, oh, God, God, my, my hands, my hands are hurting, my feet, my head. He didn't say that. He didn't talk about his emotions. He didn't say, oh, man, I'm so fearful. I'm so filled with anxiety and depression. No, he said, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? It was a spiritual thing that he was doing. He went there for you. He was abandoned so that you could be saved. Get this. He went to hell so that you didn't have to. This is crazy. I want you to stay with me because you you said, you're going to talk about hell in the middle of the coronavirus? No, I'm telling you what happened to Jesus. On the cross, it went pitch black dark. I, I, I mean, so dark you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And you say, what does that mean? It means that, hey, that's what it looks to be separated from God. That Jesus on the cross, for for those moments or hours on the cross, when, when God turned his back on his son, that there was a darkness there, and that means separation from God. That's what hell is. Hell is basically a separation from God. See, see, hell is not a place, uh, hell is a position. Hell is a position of separation from God. And here is Jesus on the cross and everything goes dark. Why? Because God is light. In him there is no darkness. And that's a tension that we have to grapple with. You know, if we're going to understand the power of God over darkness, you've got to understand that Jesus went to hell for you so that you didn't have to. It's an amazing picture and it's a little bit frightening. You, you say, what, is that, what does that mean? Like when, when, when you kind of, because I don't believe in hell, can I tell you what the, well, when you're selfish and you're prideful and you're lazy, you're not compassionate, you're not loving, you're not kind, you're not patient. C.S. Lewis said it this way, he said, for all the people that are skeptical about darkness, all the people that are skeptical uh, about hell, uh, understand without heaven, there is no hell. Without justice, there is no mercy. And you begin to walk through this. He said, what would you have God do? I think this is so cool. He said, would you have God just simply wipe out all of your sins and give you a fresh start? He did. Would you ask God to totally and completely forgive you? He did. Are you asking him to totally leave you alone? He will. 
Listen, the only person who went to hell who didn't want to in the history of the world is Jesus. And if you have a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ, hell cannot touch you. Man, I want to tell you, no matter how dark it gets, he's with you. There's light there. You say, but how about if this happens? And, and Paul says in Romans chapter 8, he said, nothing can separate us from the love of God, whether it's heaven or hell or demons or angels or principalities or powers. He says, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. You need to receive that. Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That when you understand the answer to Jesus Christ's question on the cross, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is saying, hey, I'm going to hell, Father. I'm willing to go to hell so none of your followers ever have to go there. And if you're a child of the king, let me tell you, hell has no hold on you. That's the answer to the question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was condemned so you didn't have to be, so you could go free. That Jesus went to hell so that hell would have no power over you. You say, well, that's great. I love all that, and I, I'm glad to know that. It makes me feel a little bit secure, but how about right now? It also means that he was powerless so that you could live with power. Oh, this is good. The only time in the Bible where Jesus called his father God and not father is right here. Do you know that? I didn't know that. I was kind of studying, reading, listening. And the only time, every time, other time you hear Jesus talking to his father is my father. My father in heaven, our father in heaven. And this is the only time he's ever said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What is he saying? That is covenant language. That is the idea that we have a relationship with God based on covenant, based on blood, based on the cutting. It's the idea that you and I have been adopted into the family of God. It's the idea of possession, of protection, and position. It is a personal word. It is like me saying, my Alicia, that's my wife, or my Bethann, which is my daughter who just had a birthday. It means relationship. It means that he's saying, hey, hey, this is a covenant relationship. He is telling all of us that if you, he's simply saying you can be in covenant with God, your father. You can have a relationship with him and he will be with you and he will give you strength and he will give you favor and he will give you power. You know, well, where did Jesus get all that courage? Where did Jesus get all that power? Do you know where Jesus got all of his power on the cross? Is he's hanging there suspended between heaven and hell and he's been divested with all of his power that came from God do you know where he found his strength he found it in the scripture you want to have strength in the days ahead regardless of what happens to you go back into the bible at the end of his life think about this Jesus at the end of his life when he's been nailed to a cross and he's become sin on our, he's become the virus on our behalf, the one thing he's thinking about is the fact that the Bible says it's not your feelings, it's facts. And he goes all the way back to Genesis and all the way back 
If you went to the psalmist in Psalm 22, where he's quoting David, and David, David wasn't executed. But he's quoting David because David is talking about Jesus. Listen to these words in Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sound familiar? Why are you so far from saying, saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Have you felt like that during this whole thing? God, where are you? See, Jesus knew he was talking about him. David is talking about him. Jesus knew the scriptures. Jesus could quote the scriptures. It was oozing out of his body. All these different scriptures deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of my enemies. He's talking about that. Why? So in the very last verse of Psalm 22, he can say, because they will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. And Jesus is talking about you. And he's talking about me. See, here's the fact of the cross. When you think that God is abandoning you, he's not abandoning you, he's saving you. When you think, hey, I feel like we are in hell. Listen, hell can't touch you if you know the Lord. When you feel I am powerless, there's nothing I can do. You've got all the power of the Godhead bodily. He is with you. He's not going to leave you alone. And the Bible says some things happen. And we're going to talk more about this in the next few weeks. Is some things happened when he was on the cross. It says the veil of the temple, which was three and a half inches wide, was torn from top to bottom. She did a Nancy Pelosi. Kind of tore that thing. It's a bad illustration. From top to bottom. And he's saying, come on in. <laughs> come on in. Every single day, no matter where you are, you don't need anybody else. You can come into the presence of God. The stone was removed. For some of you, he says, come on out. Come from death to life. The Holy Spirit comes. Seventy days later, Jesus says, come walk with me. Because I've got you, I'm with you, I'm going to help you. Listen, I don't understand all the ramifications humanly of the coronavirus. I, I don't, but I do know this, that, that maybe God is shaking us the way he shook those people in the first century so you would be able to say like the Roman centurion, surely this man was the son of God. I love that. All these religious people making fun of him, all these religious people talking about other things, and here's one guy, one pagan, Gentile, Roman soldier who simply looks at Jesus in the midst of all the shaking and says, surely this man is the son of God. Listen to me. I, 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 I'm glad we have government. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we have money that's coming in. I'm glad that you know, we have religion, churches and stuff. But hey, the power is Christ in you the hope of glory. Do you know the person that wrote this? Do you know the person that wrote this? His name is Matthew, a tax collector, 
a, a, a pagan. He, he was unclean. He couldn't even go into the temple. And Jesus is walking by him and he simply says, come follow me. And Matthew does. And then all of a sudden he's writing the Bible under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. I don't care where you are, what you're feeling, where you've been. In the middle of all this chaos, there is a word to you. Jesus was condemned so you didn't have to be. Jesus went to hell so hell couldn't touch you. Jesus was powerless so you could have the power of God in your life. Don't miss that. There are so many of you, this is the first time you've been so shaken. You've been so shaken. You're looking for one thing in life that is unshakable. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's Jesus. Jesus Christ is the only answer to get you through all the dark, desperate times of life. And I want to give you an opportunity. I'm not taking advantage of you. I'm giving you an opportunity for what you're looking for to receive it. To simply say to God, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've got the virus. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And I've sinned a lot. And I need forgiveness. And I can't save myself. The government can't save me. Money can't save me. Religion can't save me. And I need you to come into my life. I need you to save me because of what Jesus did on the cross for me. I accept the exchange. I want his righteous life. And I want him to have my sinful life. And I want to be made brand new. Invite him into your life. I, I asked a guy this week. It's one of those odd conversations. Because for out of the blue, I said, hey, if you die, do you know you'd go to heaven? He goes, nope. Somebody I love. And I said, what do you mean, nope? You can have assurance. You, you can say without a doubt. I know that I'm a sinner. You can say without a doubt. I place my faith in Christ, okay? You can say without a doubt, I receive a free gift of salvation because on the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, covenant, why have you forsaken me? And he was forsaken so that you could be adopted into the family of God. I'm going to ask you wherever you are, unless you're driving or in a situation where you can't do this, for just a moment to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to pray. And, and you don't have to do this out loud. But prayer is simply talking to God and listening to God. And, and I want you to simply pour your heart. Maybe you've got questions about this. And God, why have you done this? God, why have I lost my job? God, why am I struggling right now? God, why am I so afraid? God, God why have you paralyzed our whole community? Ask him, talk to him, listen to him. It's so amazing when I talk to God and I pour out my heart to him and I pour out my frustrations to him, how he gives me something to live on and to live by. And for many of you, maybe the prayer you need to pray is, God, I need forgiveness. God, I need a personal relationship with you because I know now it's not a building. It can't be because I can't get there and you wouldn't do me like that. You come to where I am. Listen, wherever you are, Christ is with you. Talk to him. Invite him into your life. Maybe you go on the chat on the side if you're, if you're watching live stream and just say, hey, I've done that today. I've asked Christ to come into my life. Hey, I've done that today. I've had a conversation with God. Hey, I've done that today. Me and God, we've made things right. And so that you can move forward in this no matter how long it lasts with assurance and peace 
and courage. I'm going to pray with you. And I, I want you to know I pray every day for you. There's not one day that goes by I don't pray for you, for our community, for our state, for our, for our nation, for our world. Because never before that I can remember in the last hundred years, I'm not a hundred, but from all, all I've read, nothing has shaken us like this. But the Bible says in Hebrews that he's unshakable. Nothing can shake you to the core of your being if you have a relationship with Jesus. Father, I thank you today that God, nothing can stop the gospel. I thank you, God, that every time the gospel has been buried by something terrible or catastrophic, it's only been a seedbed for the church to flourish. And Father, I pray right now that you'd give people courage and wisdom. God, I pray for protection. Uh, God, I pray for people who don't know you to come into a relationship with you. I pray that people who know you but have not had the time to spend time with you, that now, God, you've given them an opportunity. You've made them to lie down in green pastures. And, God, I pray in this valley you'd help them walk in faith and not in doubt and in fear. And, Father, for all that you're doing, we thank you and we give you honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.